This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. On October 18th, 2018, in Wasu, Wisconsin, Heather Gardner was doing a late-night trip to the laundromat with her two sons, Jathan, and two-month-old Benson, as well as her sister, Jessie. But as the girls were doing their laundry, Jessie notices something off about two-month-old Benson, who is sitting in his car seat on top of one of the washers. She realizes that Benson is bright blue and freezing cold to the touch. His lips and fingers were purple. Heather immediately begins CPR while Jesse calls 911. Police and first responder and first responders arrive minutes later, but unfortunately, they confirm two-month-old Benson dead. And tearfully, Heather and Jesse begin to explain to the officers that they just picked up Benson from the babysitter who said Benson was just sleeping. This babysitter was 26-year-old Marissa Tiort. Hello, everyone. My name is Haley Elizabeth, and if you do know who I am, this is my true crime podcast, where once a week I sit down and I talk about all things true crime, ranging from murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history, all things true crime. So if you're interested in any of that, you can head over to the YouTube channel, Haley Elizabeth, every Wednesday for the visual version, or you can head over to Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts every Tuesday for the audio version. And for today's case, we are going to be talking about the case of Benson Tiong. And before we do I want to give a disclaimer that I mean no disrespect to the victims or persons mentioned in this case. This is all for educational purposes and all information will be based upon police documents, case files, and other public documents available online. My goal is to educate the public, inform my audience, and raise awareness for the victims mentioned. And this case does discuss topics of child abuse and child neglect, so viewer discretion is greatly advised. Heather was a lifelong friend of 26-year-old Marissa and had been babysitting her kids ever since she had Benson and had to go back to work. Heather goes on to say that when she went to go pick up Benson and Jathan that day, Marissa was acting a bit odd. Usually, Marissa will let Heather inside, help pack the diaper bag, and put Benson in his car seat, but this time, it was none of that. Marissa had Benson in the car seat already and told Heather that Benson was sleeping, as well as shoving her toddler, Jathan, just kind of out the door with him. Marissa didn't really say anything and didn't let Heather inside. Heather said that it was dark in there and all she saw was Marissa's boyfriend sitting on the couch holding Benson as he put him into his car seat. The police head over to Marissa's apartment that she shared with her boyfriend Adam, but unfortunately no one was home. They theorized that Marissa and Adam had fled because Heather's sister Jessie, out of fear and frustration when they found that Benson was dead, Jessie had texted Marissa saying, quote, you killed my sister's baby. This was the text that suspectively made Marissa Marissa and her boyfriend flee. Luckily, the police were able to track her phone to a local hotel and they knocked on the door and Adam opened. Immediately when Adam opened up the door, he started yelling at police saying that Marissa had already been charged and she'll be in court and there was no reason for the police to be there. It was very clear from the police body cam footage though that Adam was clearly on some sort of substance. Marissa was indeed in the hotel room sleeping on the bed, so the police woke her up and brought her into the hallway for questioning. When police asked Marissa, quote, tell me about taking care of him today. 
Marissa responds with, quote, oh, I was just watching him and he was fine. That's about it. Now, the first red flag about this is that Marissa was never told who, quote, he was. And so the fact that Marissa already assumes that the police are talking about Benson without even being told, it already shows that Marissa knows exactly what this is about. I mean, Marissa never even questions why the police are there to begin with. Marissa takes the officers through the day. She says that at first when Jathan and Benson got there, Adam was not home yet because he was out with his friends hunting and he wouldn't be home until 6.30. So she decided to take the boys and play outside for a little bit before coming inside and then at 6.30 when Adam got home, they all went into the car and got McDonald's. After they ate inside at McDonald's, they all went back into the car, went back to Marissa and Adam's home, watched a movie, and then Heather came at around 8.30 to pick up the kids. Marissa says that for the most part, Benson was sleeping except for a couple hours when he first got there and he was playing in the pack and play, which is basically a pen where you can put children and they can play around. The officer then tells Marissa that Benson is dead and all Marissa responds with is, quote, why is he dead? And she also claims that she doesn't know what happens and acts completely clueless to Benson's death. Now, this isn't the first time Marissa is being accused of child abuse and it's not even her second time. This is actually her third time. Two months prior, an officer was called to Marissa and Adam's house after someone said that their kid came home with terrible face and head injuries while under Marissa's care. When the police showed up to question Marissa, Adam was there. When the police were let inside, Adam is nervously over-explaining the police. He doesn't even mention about the injured child. He starts going on all of these random tangents that have nothing to do with the child. He begins to over-explain and say how Marissa was addicted to drugs and went to rehab and she's currently been clean for four years now. He also begins to say that Marissa was molested as a child, which is why she babysits and has very protective nature over children, which is kind of crazy to say because it was later found out that Adam and Marissa had actually had four kids together that were all taken by social services. They were also legally required not to have any more children because of Marissa's past with child abuse and all of her children being taken away from her. Officers wait at the house until Marissa comes home and when the officers ask Marissa what happened to the child, why did she come home with all of these marks all over her face and body, she says that that day she was washing dishes while the baby slept on the couch and then all of a sudden she heard a loud boom so she stopped washing the dishes and ran to the living room to see the child laying on the floor. So her explanation for this was that the baby just fell off the couch but when you look at these injuries, there are bruises, scratches, and bumps all over this baby's face and baby's body. This is definitely not something that happened just simply by falling over the couch. But during this visit, as the police are kind of looking around the house, they end up finding another secret baby in another room. Apparently, Marissa and Adam had had a secret fifth child, even though they were legally not able to, to which the police call Child Protective Services and they come to the house and they try to take the baby away from them, to which Adam starts screaming at the police. He starts screaming at Child Protective Services. He starts telling them that if you want to take his baby away, you're going to have to bring a SWAT team. Even though the condition of the household was not a livable condition and with Adam's outburst of anger, as well as them returning a call where Marissa left a child harmed and just returned 
turn them back to the parents as if it wasn't her problem anymore. This is clearly not a good environment to raise a child in and so after a lot of arguing, Child Protective Services successfully takes the child away from the home. Throughout all of this argument, Marissa is very calm and collected while Adam is very explosive and loud and it's also made known during this conversation that Marissa is currently pregnant with her sixth child. Again, a child that she is legally not allowed to have. So that was her first case of child abuse and the second case of child abuse was from a year prior when a child that she was watching came home with a fractured skull and Marissa never informed the parents about it nor did she even tell the parents what happened. The parents literally just had to find out on their own and she was later taken to trial but I don't think too much happened to her after that. So now back to the story today. Marissa is currently outside of her hotel room being confronted with another child abuse case and is trying her best to wiggle her way out of it. Marissa is being questioned outside the hotel room but inside of the hotel room Adam and another officer are having a conversation about what happened that day after he came home at 6 30. Adam claims that when he came home all of the kids were sleeping but Adam starts to make really off comments like when he came home he took Benson out of the playpen so that he could put on Benson's clothes and all of them would go to McDonald's. But Adam says that when he takes Benson out of the playpen he was acting like quote his usual whiny self and follows that up by saying that every time you pick Benson up he's always crying and whining and even with the toddler Jathan Adam says that even if you look at Jathan wrong he'll start crying and whining. Now these comments are very big red flags. The way he talks he gives no empathy to either children and it's kind of odd to call a two-month-old whiny when it's completely normal for a baby who just came out of the womb two months ago to cry a lot. Babies don't know what's going on. They don't know how to communicate. All they do is respond with their body and with their emotions and so it's completely normal for a baby to cry constantly, especially a newborn. But the way that Adam talks about it, he acts as if this was a constant inconvenience to him. Now back outside of the hallway with Marissa. Now when the police questioned Marissa as to why she's randomly staying at a hotel, she said that she had gotten money from a car accident a while back and texted Adam if he wanted to go to a hotel for the night. This text message from Marissa says, quote, she's gonna text me when she's on the way. The she in this conversation is referred to Heather. So maybe get a hotel room tonight and go in the hot tub or something. So when she picks the kids up, we will go to a nice one. And Adam replies with, quote, okay if that's what you want to do. So from this text message conversation you can tell that the hotel was Marissa's idea and Adam says that after Heather came to pick up the kids at 8 30 they checked into a hotel at 8 52 and at 9 29 the police came knocking at the door. Marissa also goes on to say that she doesn't know how Benson died and when the officer says to her quote you knew he was dead she texted you referring to Jesse's text earlier. Marissa just says quote my phone is off I can show you but the officer cuts her off by saying, quote, no, it's not. How do you think we found you? After this, Marissa goes silent and now that she is put into a corner, she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know how to defend herself. So she immediately goes back to crying. But while Marissa is crying, you can see from the police body cam footage that she is shedding no tears. She's scrunching up her face and making the noises of crying without actually showing true emotion. There's also portions where one minute 
it, she's crying. And then in the middle of her quote unquote crying, she immediately puts on a smile and she starts laughing and telling jokes, which to me is extremely unsettling after she had just seen a dead two month old baby hours before. And so the cops tried to lay in on her real quick and they tried to ask her things like, at what time did she realize that Benson was dead? And to that, Marissa goes silent. And so they ask her again, quote, did he die in the pack and play? To which instead of defending her case, she just shrugs her shoulders. This is a clear red flag that Marissa has something to do with this. Any innocent person in this situation, if someone were to tell you, when did you find this person dead and you truly had nothing to do with it, you would want to defend yourself. You'd be very concerned as to why these people are accusing you. But to that, Marissa really had nothing to say. But although Marissa isn't telling the truth, what what exactly is she hiding? Marissa tries a different angle and says that after playing outside, she laid Benson in the pack and play with the baby monitor and usually the monitor, if a baby makes a noise or moves, the monitor will go off or turn on and she didn't hear him for a while, so she didn't really think anything of it. And at this point, it's when Marissa actually starts to show a couple of tears and I'm assuming it's because she's maybe starting to remember what actually happened. She says that when she she took him out of the pack and play, he was laying on his belly, laying face down instead of his face off to the side, which if you guys don't know, babies, when they're extremely young, do not have the strength to move their own muscles or their own limbs. And so that's why it's very important when dealing with newborn babies that you take care of their head because their necks can snap so easily because their bones are so fragile and weak. And so whenever you lay a baby down on their stomach, it's always very important to lay their head off to the side so they can breathe since they have no capabilities to move their head on their own. And she says that before they went to McDonald's, she went in there to go change him, but when she picked him up, he was cold to the touch. And at this point, she stops herself because she realizes that she's said too much and she starts repeating herself and saying, quote, but I didn't kill him after every sentence. At this point, it seems Marissa had laid Benson down on his face and maybe he had suffocated, but this quote-unquote accident story would be completely thrown out the window when in the other room, the officer had asked Adam who took out Benson from the pack and play before McDonald's and Adam would say, quote, I picked him up and put him in there, referring to him picking up Benson from the pack and play and dressing him and putting him into the car seat before heading off to McDonald's, to which he says, quote, he was absolutely normal to me. Adam said that when he picked Benson up from the pack and play before going to McDonald's, Benson was awake, his eyes were open, he was whining and crying, meaning that he was alive. Hey everyone, don't worry, it's still me thanking the sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. If there's one gift that I wish I would have put on my Christmas this last year, it would have been a new computer chair. The current computer chair that I use right now is literally like falling apart before my eyes. It is so uncomfortable, it's so squeaky, and so don't be like me and forget something major on your Christmas wish list this year. Especially, do not forget to add Stamps.com to your holiday wish list. 
Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours save time and money during the holiday rush for 25 years with easy access to USPS and UPS services and platinum rates for all your postage needs. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. Now taking care of orders on the go is even easier with the Stamps.com mobile app. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. If you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Running low? You can even order shipping and mailing supplies such as labels and even printers from the Stamps.com supply store. You can get huge carrier discounts up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you the cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to USPS and UPS services you need right now from your computer any time of the day or night, no lines, no traffic, no waiting. Give your business the gift of Stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered for the holiday season. Sign up with promo code BEHIND for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code BEHIND. Thank you once again to Stamps.com for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to your episode. And so back in the hallway, Marissa says that although Benson felt cold to the touch, she still put his snowsuit on along with his hat and her and the family drove out to McDonald's where they ate inside, not in the drive-thru. And Melissa said that at the time, Adam didn't know Benson was dead, but she did. And she thinks that Adam probably just assumed that Benson was sleeping. And the way she explains all of this is very calm and collected as if she has no clue the severity of what she had done. And there's even times where the police at one point asked her, well, when you realized Benson was dead, did you attempt CPR at all? Did you try to call someone? And to this, all Marissa does is laugh. She literally laughs in the police officer's face and says, oh, well, I don't know how to do CPR, so of course I didn't try CPR. And not only does she laugh about not knowing CPR this one time, she does it two more times throughout this entire interrogation, which I don't know why anybody would be laughing about not saving a child's life. I understand that there's a lot of people who laugh when they're nervous or laugh when they're scared, but when you just saw a baby die in front of you, that's a very emotional experience. That should trigger some sort of empathy or some sort of fear within you, not a nervous laugh. Police do have a warrant for her arrest following this murder and her other two child abuse cases and put her into custody. Although police are able to get Marissa to confess that she knew Benson was dead, there was still so many more questions. The big portion is that Marissa and Adam's story do not align. Marissa said that she took Benson out of the pack and play and that's when she realized that he was cold to the touch, had no pulse, and was bright blue and purple. Even though she knew that he was dead, she still put him in his snowsuit, his hat, and put him in his car seat to go off to McDonald's. So at this point, she claims that Benson was dead before Adam arrived. But if you remember Adam's story from earlier, Adam said that he is the one who took Benson out of the pack and play before going to McDonald's. And he was, quote, his usual whiny self, meaning that Benson was alive. So one of them is lying. While Marissa is being arrested outside the hotel room, that is when Adam is inside the hotel room being informed that Benson is dead. Police know that either Adam is telling the truth and that he doesn't know what happened and he was under the impression that Benson 
Benson was alive the entire time in the car seat, or he's lying about getting Benson out of the pack and play in order to protect Marissa. And so the officers try to lay in on Adam a little bit and say that an autopsy is going to be done the next day, and if his story doesn't match up to the autopsy, it's going to look really bad, and they're going to know for a fact that he was lying, and so the best thing to do is just to tell the truth and come forward right now. Marissa is being arrested and claims to police that Adam didn't know Benson was dead and Adam didn't know a single thing about what was going on, but police question her by asking, well, why is Adam trying to cover for you if he doesn't know what's going on? To which Marissa just sits quiet. After Adam learns the news that Benson is dead, you can definitely tell that the news hit Adam a lot harder than it did Marissa. Adam begins to break out into tears and he starts panicking and we learn that Marissa was the one to actually take Benson out of the pack and play. Marissa told Adam to tell police that Adam was the one to take Benson out of the pack and play and when he did, to tell police that Benson was crying and whining, meaning that he was alive at this point. Adam then starts to cry even more and reveal to officers that Marissa has really bad mood swings and when she gets in her moods where she gets overwhelmed and doesn't want to be bothered, she usually can be very aggressive if she's tested while in this mood. And Adam even told police that typically when Adam is home, he's able to control Marissa, bring her down to earth, and make sure that she's okay. And Adam even told police that her previous two child abuse cases happened when he wasn't home to help. And Adam has even told Marissa multiple times in the past past not to watch kids by herself. So after this, Adam is taken to the station for further questioning while Marissa is actually taken back to her apartment. She's taken back to her apartment to physically show police officers how she picked up Benson, how she laid down Benson, and how Benson was when she first went in there to dress him before going to McDonald's. And all while she's giving this demonstration, she is laughing and smiling. She's making jokes saying that, oh, you know, he was whining like he typically is, kind of saying it like that, like in a very playful way, which this is not a playful situation whatsoever. If anyone were to be reenacting this, it would probably be very emotional, very traumatizing. It would trigger some sort of emotion in you, but throughout all of this, Marissa is acting as if it doesn't even affect her. But there are portions of the body cam footage where you can kind of see Marissa's fists are clenched up and her arms are crossed. So maybe we are getting a little glimpse into Marissa's inner stress, but she's putting on a really good front to cover it up. She also is using phrases like, quote, I think a lot, as if she's making it up as she goes along. The officers then ask Marissa when, at what point, did she realize Benson was dead, and she says that when she picked him up and he was completely cold. She starts to exclude details like how she was feeling, what she was thinking, and remains unemotional, as if she is once again making up the story as she goes along. Police try to ask if she attempted at doing CPR or calling anyone and once again she starts laughing and says that she doesn't know CPR and she says that once she realized Benson was dead she didn't attempt to save him or call for help at all. This makes police think that maybe there's another reason why Marissa didn't save Benson. That maybe this death wasn't just as surprising as Marissa is playing it off to be. As police investigate the room that Benson was in they discover there's a baby monitor right 
right in front of the crib, but weirdly, the baby monitor is unplugged. And Marissa's explanation for this is that she says every time she's not using the baby monitor, she tends to just unplug it to save its charge. Marissa is then arrested and taken back to the station where she spent the night there as an autopsy on Benson was conducted. The next day, officers will reveal that the autopsy results are in and they go over it with Marissa. The autopsy revealed that there was severe blunt force trauma to the head, multiple head injuries, and a broken tailbone. So this was not just a case of Benson being laid down and suffocating to death. His cause of death was not suffocation. And they try to ask Marissa, did you see this on his body? Did you realize he was in pain? Did you realize his broken tailbone? And all she has to say for this is, quote, not that I've seen. Marissa still preaches innocence and says that she doesn't know what happened, although when she found out that he was dead, her actions following were very nonchalant and careless. She didn't attempt CPR. She didn't try to call for help. She didn't try to call her boyfriend. She also didn't look up anything online. She didn't check his mouth to see if there was anything stuck in there, maybe obstructing his airway. But for the first time during this interrogation, Marissa starts to show a little bit of emotion and real tears after the officer says that she believes Marissa truly does love kids and she might have had a bond with Benson, so she understands that Benson's death is pretty hard on her. After this, Marissa starts to cry and says, quote, I didn't kill him, and I guess the word kill kind of triggers something in her after she says that, because immediately after she says that, she leans back and starts to cry even more. The officers even try to give Marissa some outs by saying, maybe Benson wasn't going to sleep and you gave him too much medicine, or maybe he fell at the park when you weren't looking, or sometimes when we get angry, we do things without thinking. But to all of this, Marissa completely ignores all of these outs, and all she says is, quote, I don't know what happened, and quote, I could never hurt a child. Detectives then tell Marissa that they know Benson was hit in the head because they have evidence from the autopsy, and her story doesn't include him hitting him in the head, so that means she's lying. Now, during this interrogation, there's two detectives. There's a man and a woman, and so this woman detective tries to put Marissa in Heather's shoes and says that if Marissa picked up her baby from Heather and found that her baby was dead, she would want an explanation, and she deserves an explanation as to what the last seconds of her baby's life was like. Heather deserves an explanation whether it was an accident or not, and if Marissa doesn't come forward and tell the truth, the detectives have no choice but to leave and tell Heather that Marissa is refusing to tell the truth, and that would make Marissa look 10 times worse. Now, the reason why the investigators are using this method is because, as you can tell, Marissa tends to be very egotistical. She only cares about situations when it has to do with herself. She doesn't really care about the repercussions or the feelings of everyone else. So, by putting the situation in her shoes, maybe she can better understand the severity of the situation. And after this, Marissa sits in silence for a whole two minutes before slowly opening up. She then begins to say, quote, maybe when I was putting him into the pack and play, I might have put him in there too hard. But immediately after this, she resorts back to saying, quote, I don't know and I could never hurt a child. She also says that she doesn't remember if she put him down or if he had died in that moment or not. 
The officers then try to stand up and physically show how did Marissa put Benson in there? Did she throw him in there? Did she place him in there? And so Marissa then gets up and shows the officers a demonstration of how she threw Benson into the crib. And this is when the real story of what happened to Benson would come out. While Marissa was playing outside with Jathan and Benson, the three of them had to come home early because Benson wouldn't stop crying. And so when they got home, Marissa got frustrated and overwhelmed. So instead of placing Benson into the pack and play to sleep, she threw Benson in there with most of her strength. She threw Benson in there and he tumbled around a little bit and hit his back again against the side of the crib. After this, she left the room where Benson cried for a couple more minutes before he eventually stopped. After the crying, she went back in there and that is when she went to go move Benson from the side of the crib to the middle of the crib, but when she picked him up, he was lifeless. He wasn't moving, all of his limbs were completely limp and she described his body to be doll-like. And even though she knew in that moment that Benson was dead, she still decided to put Benson on his stomach and lay him in the middle of the crib before just simply walking away. She also tries to come up with an angle where in that moment she tried to give him CPR, which makes absolutely no sense because she has said three times before that she doesn't know CPR and has even laughed about the fact of her not knowing CPR, which is kind of crazy because her job was babysitting children. And so they believe everything except for the CPR part again, just think that was added in there for some sort of heroic effect. And at the end of the interview, after confessed, Marissa starts to sob, not because she feels bad for Heather, but because she now knows that she's going to be put into jail. And this is made apparent because when they tell her that she is being arrested and staying in prison, all she has to ask is, quote, but for how long? And then she tells officers that she didn't call 911 after she realized Benson was dead because she was quote-unquote scared, which I think is complete selfishness. She didn't want to call 911 because she knew that she would be arrested and she didn't want the police involved, so instead she tried covering up the crime and pretended as if it never happened or just thought that hopefully it'll all just work itself out. She was put into trial and while awaiting trial, Marissa Marissa's very selfish nature would continue. She sent a letter to many pen pals to which she would write about how she wanted to be physically intimate with all of them and move in with them after she left prison and all of these men were also giving her money in exchange for her attention, I'm assuming. It was also said by psychologist reports that Marissa is a master manipulator and she was able to manipulate not all of these men into loving her and sending her money, but she was also manipulating Adam and saying that she wasn't cheating on him and Adam was also giving Marissa money. Marissa expanded her selfish nature by writing a letter to the judge saying, quote, this is Marissa Tearsort and I want a bond reduction because this is crazy that I don't get a half signature bond and lowered. Like really, I am not a monster or whatever. I love kids and I'm a mom of five kids. Plus I'm now pregnant with my sixth kid. So as you could tell from that, she's clearly trying to manipulate the judge by saying, how can I hate kids when I have kids of my own? Without, you know, mentioning that all of those kids were all taken away from her. She also has multiple cases 
cases of child abuse in the past. And on top of that, the court literally told Marissa she was not allowed to have any more children because of her behavior. Marissa was later found guilty and sentenced to 37 years for the murder of Benson, as well as another three years for the injury of the child that happened two months before Benson, the child who just quote-unquote fell off the couch. And so that led to her getting a total of 39 years. And she is suspected to be let out in the year of 2062 at the age of 65 years old. And yeah, that is the end of today's case. If you guys found this case interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you are on Spotify, Apple, wherever you could find podcasts, make sure to rate it five stars because that really helps me out a lot. And yeah, that is all from me. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and as always, I love you, I love you, I love you and I will see you guys next week. Bye.